Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 119 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you for joining me. All right. If you have ever struggled with other people eating food around you, offering food to you, showing up with food, leaving food laying out, all of those things, then this episode is for you. We're going to talk all about other people's food and how to manage it physician and you struggle with this exact thing, you can feel in control about your eating in certain situations, but then other situations, it feels like you have no control at all, then that is exactly why I created my Stress Eating SOS program. It is created for you to help you find freedom around food where you don't constantly have to think about it or struggle with it. Now, our next group is going to be opening up in about a month or so. It starts at the beginning of April. If you want to know about it as soon as the dates are solidified and get access to exclusive bonuses, then make sure you sign up for the waitlist. Head over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS to get your name on that waitlist right away. All right, today's episode I created, number one, because I know this is a big issue. This comes up so much in my SOS group. It comes up in my one-on-one coaching and it comes up in my obesity medicine weight management group a lot too because it's a common thing. The reality is if you're working on your weight and you're working on eating healthy consistently, there are so many different times in your life where you're going to be exposed to other people's food. So you may plan your food perfectly But then other food pops up. I sometimes talk about this as surprise food. It just shows up and maybe it's what you don't normally eat. Maybe it's something you used to love to eat. All these different things then can make it feel like it's hard to not eat it and end up where you're having inconsistencies in your eating that, number one, make you feel not great, but also might be slowing you down on your progress towards your goals. And so I'm going to teach you skills to work on to manage yourself around other people's foods. Because the reality is you're not going to be able to control whether or not this food comes into your life. It's pretty hard to control, even during this pandemic, the food that comes in and around you. You can do your best to control the food that you have in your own house or in your immediate environment, but there will always be food outside of you. And this skill then becomes a must. It becomes really, really important if you're wanting to do a long-term weight loss goal or if you're maintaining a long-term weight loss. You need to be able to manage yourself around food that other people bring in or the surprise food of the world. Now, this has been an issue for me more recently and something I've been needing to really work on and pay attention to how my brain thinks about this stuff because my daughters are... 10 and a half now, and they love to bake. 
They both really want to be on Kids Baking Championship or something similar. They watch the show all the time and they're baking things and they're doing it independently. So it's not even like I can say, no, I don't have time to help you bake. They're, they can do it without me. And so like, for example, this week, they baked red velvet cupcakes and they had them all decorated with fancy icing and a little fondant decoration and everything. And if I don't use these skills that I'm going to teach you today and work on it actively, then it would be so easy to essentially be eating the sweets and stuff every day. And that may seem in the moment like it would be a really good decision. And <laughs> Wouldn't it be fantastic to eat the sweets every day? But I know for myself And I think this is partly what helps this tool. And so I think it's really good to kind of get clear on this aspect with yourself. I know for myself, eating that food does not help me long term. I don't feel good long term. It makes me feel tired, sluggish, headachy, swollen. It just, I don't feel my best self, which is why, really, why at the core of it, I choose not to eat that food on a regular basis. So that's one step, and we're going to talk about others, but that's one really core step is really get clear with yourself about what that food truly does. In the moment, Your brain will think that it's doing all sorts of lovely stuff for you, and it will not tell you the negatives that it does. So getting clear on that, we're going to talk more about that. So one of the tricks with this when you're trying to get a handle on it is your brain really likes to think it doesn't have control over whether or not you eat food that magically comes into your environment. And that's sort of the core issue. You can be really, really good and you know, eating healthy, sticking to the way that you're planning on eating. And then when this other food comes into your environment, if your brain's saying, well, it's here and we have no control over it, well, then of course you're going to eat it, right? And so watching that type of thought pattern is going to also be really important for you. Now, the reality to this is that the skills that you're going to use to manage when other people's food comes into your environment are pretty much the same skills you're using on your own. It's just essentially they're used in a much shorter time frame, right? Like it feels like you need to make a snap decision about whether or not you're going to eat that food or what you're going to respond to the person who's offering you food. So when you're planning it yourself, you may give yourself more space between when you plan and what you eat. In the moment when a food pops up in your environment and your brain says, hey, let's eat it, it's just a quicker application of the tools that you need to practice. So the tools are the same. You don't have to learn anything new. It really comes down to managing how you think about the food. And then if you choose not to eat it, if that's your plan, then working on just letting the craving be there, letting it be 100% okay that you're experiencing a craving because that's just normal brain behavior when that food is in your environment and just letting it sit and experience it without trying to resist it or push it away. That's really the skills, how you think about it and then letting yourself sit with it. It's true for any food environment. Here's what gets in your way in this one. There's different thought patterns that show up and will get in your way. So the first one, I kind of mentioned this already, is having thoughts of no choice. And it's really interesting. When I watch myself around food cravings, watch what my brain does, the immediate reflex thought when I have a food craving is, well, I guess I'm going to have to eat this. (laughs) It comes down to not having a choice. And it's just this immediate reflex thought. Even now, when I have a food craving, that thought comes in and then I have to catch it and be like, no, it's fine. We're just going to be okay not eating that food. 
So watching yourself, and it may come in different versions. That thought that I just told you about for me comes so fast that I didn't really notice it. It was didn't even feel like it was words in my brain. But when I actually looked at what was happening when a craving felt like powerful and compelling, it was actually that thought. It was, a, well, I guess I have no choice. <laughs> thought that was creating issues for me. So the second thing that's going to get in your way is thoughts of discomfort. So your brain will likely think that if you don't eat that food that's sitting in front of you, it's going to be really uncomfortable. That it will paint a picture of how horrible life will be, how strong the craving's going to be, how hard it's going to be, and probably also paint some pictures of how, you know, neglected you are because you're not eating that food and all these different things. So your brain will generate thoughts of discomfort when you say no to food. And that's okay. We're going to talk about that more in the part of how to manage this. But thoughts of discomfort, thinking that saying no will make you uncomfortable is a thought error. And it will get in your way of saying, deciding not to eat other people's food. The third thing, and this is a big one, is people-pleasing thoughts. So the thought that our decision, whether or not to eat a certain food, will impact another person. So I need to eat that food so I don't upset them. So they don't feel rejected, so they feel happy that I'm enjoying the food. They spent so much time making all these different things. And again, that's a bit of a thought error in that we don't actually have control over how somebody feels, and we certainly can't change how somebody feels by what we eat. And so really cleaning that up is going to be important in managing your eating. And then the fourth piece is scarcity. So feeling like not eating the food or sorry, feeling like eating the food is your only chance to eat this food. <laughs> so like, let's, you know, a particular food pops up in your environment in front of you and you think, well, I haven't had that forever. I don't really have much opportunity that I should eat it now because it's here. So it's like that scarcity of this food isn't around, so I need to eat it while I have a chance. But that scarcity, if that's there for you, you really want to watch it. It can drive a ton of eating because your brain can decide anything's scarce can make anything feel scarce for you. All right, so how do you manage this? So you have recognized the thoughts that might be getting in your way, the, like I have no choice, this is going to be really uncomfortable if I don't eat this, they're going to think bad things about me if I don't eat this, and I never get to eat this, and so I should just eat it now. Those thoughts are the big four that are going to get in your way. Now, how to manage yourself around other people's food. Number one, you have to truly recognize what these food decisions cost you. So like I said at the beginning, your brain will think that saying no to the food is uncomfortable, that there will be discomfort, and it will tell you that discomfort is going to be horrible, that you should not experience it, that you should just eat so you don't have to experience that. The reality is, and this is a piece that your brain doesn't tell you in that moment, is there is discomfort on both sides of the decision. Every single decision in your life has discomfort on both sides of it. The discomfort itself may vary, but there is discomfort on both sides. If you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. So you say yes to the food, you're saying no to your long-term goals. You also may be saying no to your physical comfort later in the day. There may be other things that actually show up as discomfort after eating the food. And those are the things I want you to get really clear on of when I eat this food, this is actually what happens because your brain will tell you a really nicely painted picture of how when you eat the food, the sun will break through the clouds, butterflies will come up in a <laughs> cloud around your head and the birds will be singing 
and you will look over in the forest and see a unicorn because it was so fantastic to eat that food. That's what your brain's going to tell you. That's not true. The reality is you're going to eat the food. It will taste good in the moment. Maybe only the first few bites are going to actually taste good if you really pay attention to it. And then other stuff will happen. And it's probably not going to involve clouds of butterflies and unicorns. So you want to really get clear for yourself what actually happens when I eat that food. The other option is you say no to the food and yes to your long-term goals. And then there's discomfort on saying no to the food. And again, look at that and see, okay, what's that discomfort? And directly compare the two. And you need to do this very intentionally with awareness because like I said, your brain won't tell you the discomfort on the eating the food side, meaning it will just tell you the only discomfort exists if you say no to the food. So get very clear and then get very clear on what discomfort you actually want in your life. And maybe sometimes you decide you don't want the discomfort of saying no to food. So sometimes you decide to eat the food. But long term, you're probably going to find that the discomfort of saying no to your long term goals feels worse than occasionally saying no to food. Okay, number two is recognize there's no point too late. And what I mean by that is as you go through this, there's no point where you can't change your mind. You can be midway through eating something and decide, yeah, that's it. I don't need to eat anymore. That is possible. I can hear some of you (laughs) thinking, whoa, come on. I could never do that. It is possible, but what it comes down to is how you think about it when you're eating the food. What can allow you to stop eating the food mid-bite and say, okay, I'm done, is how you think about it. It's nothing to do with the food that means you have to finish eating it. It's what you think about it. So if you picture some sort of food coming into your environment, somebody asks you, hey, do you want this? And maybe you've already responded saying, yeah, okay, sure, I'll have some. And then you start, then you have more space to think and you're like, oh, you know what? I did just eat that yesterday and I felt kind of crummy and I did promise myself this morning that I was going to focus on just eating healthy foods that make me feel good. So I don't really want to eat that. There's no point where it's too late to change your mind. So even if you've said yes, you just change your mind. You say, you know what, actually, I've changed my mind. I don't really want to eat that right now. And give yourself permission. Anything that tells you that this isn't true, that you can't change your mind once you've made it up, all of those are thoughts. Those are all just optional thoughts. And those are great places to really look at and kind of pull apart and see what thoughts are in there. Because it's going to be a tangle of thoughts that are built throughout your life, but they're probably mainly disempowering thoughts. And so it'd be really helpful to look at them. So if your brain's resisting me saying, there's no point that's too late to stop. I want you to get, just get curious about it and look at what thoughts are in there that are telling you that you can't stop at any point, that you can't change your mind if you already told somebody you'd eat something. Chances are there might be some people-pleasing thoughts in there, and we're going to get to that. So the number three is that other people's opinions about your eating are their own. We often try to eat to keep people happy, and I think this is something that's ingrained in us since we were little. We often worry about what other people are going to think about how we're eating, the food choices we're making, what we're choosing to not eat. We feel like if we choose to not eat a food, it might snub the person that made it. There's all these different societal norms around food. But really, what another person decides to think about what you eat is their decision. You can't actually control that. You could eat everything that they give you, and they could still choose to think that you didn't eat enough of their food because it's their own thoughts 
that you actually have no control over. You can decide how you want to show up. And I think this is a worthwhile exercise if you're going to be working on this of not always eating other people's food. Decide how you want to show up when you say no. And maybe there's ways that you choose to phrase it that feel good for you and that feel like they work for other people, for the person offering the food. There's no right or wrong way to doing this, but recognize that you can just say no. Saying no is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Or no, you know what, I'm full right now, or I just ate lunch, or I don't really feel like something like that right now. All of those are okay. It doesn't mean you don't like the other person. If you want, like if it's something that you know that kind of shows love through food, you can show appreciation through words about the food without eating the food. You can look at it and be like, that looks so fantastic. You know, I can't believe you put in all that work. It looks so great. I'm just, you know, I'm full right now and I'm not going to eat any right now. You can come up with ways that work for you so that you feel comfortable saying no to other people's food. But you might have to just play around with these a little bit. Number four, and this is honestly the big one, is looking at your core beliefs, deciding what you actually want to believe about yourself around food. This was a really powerful place for me because I realized I had all these limiting beliefs about myself and food. Like, well, I can do this, but I could never, a big one for me was the movie theater. I could never go to the movie theater and not eat popcorn. Or another one was I could never like take the kids out for ice cream and not eat. There's all these little limiting beliefs in my mind about myself and food. And what it took was deciding how I actually wanted to think about myself around food. Do I want to believe that I'm somebody that can do everything else I've done in my life, like go through medical school, work as a physician, and I can't choose to not eat popcorn? When I put it that way for myself, it was really like, of course I can just not eat popcorn. Like that's so much easier than medical school. And so deciding what you want to believe about yourself around food I think is really, really powerful. Choosing a thought that actually empowers you and then just rejecting the thoughts that don't. So in that example, the popcorn, when I realized that that limiting thought was there and asked myself, is that actually what I want to believe about myself? And I was like, no, that's stupid. (laughs) That's not what I want to believe about myself. It was then simple. I just rejected the old belief because I looked at it, I'd evaluated and realized it was silly. It wasn't based in reality. It didn't have any evidence behind it. And it didn't fit with my overall beliefs about myself and what I could do in my days. And so then it let me just simply let go of that old thought and choose another thought. Like, it doesn't bother me. It's no big deal. I can sit and watch people eat popcorn all day long, and I'm totally fine with it. Thoughts like that, that then make it actually simple to do that. I know it can sound so oversimplified, but it really is that. Like if you go into somebody else's food environment or have a situation where somebody's eating around you and you just choose a thought of, you know what, I'm the type of person that can sit and watch other people eat chips all day and I'm totally fine with it. And you practice just believing that belief, it works. What you think and what you tell yourself about your ability to be around food matters. And really taking control of that and being intentional with what you're thinking will change how you behave around other people's food. All right, so to summarize how you manage yourself around other people's food is number one, truly recognize what the costs of each decision is. Get really clear on it and really lay it out clearly for yourself. Number two is recognize and believe that there is no point too late to change your mind. 
So if you've started or if you've said yes, there's no point where it's too late to change your mind. You can change your mind at any time. So you're right. Uh, Number three is other people's opinions about your eating are their own. Let them have their own opinions and you stay in your own lane about your eating, about what you do and don't want to eat. Don't eat to try to people please. It doesn't work. And all it is is maybe they feel happy. Maybe they don't because, again, we don't have control over. But then you don't feel good after. So it's like trading your happiness for their happiness is what people pleasing always is. And number four is really decide how you want to believe about your ability to be around food at your core. What is it that you want to think about yourself? And what are your current beliefs? And are they actually ones you want to keep? Or do you just want to reject them and be like, that's silly. I just don't want that belief anymore. And then just let it go. Choose core beliefs about your ability to be around food that are empowering, that make you feel like you're totally fine. No matter where you are, totally fine. All right. Thank you so much for listening this week, guys. Remember, if you are a physician and this topic resonates with you, if you find it's hard to feel in control around food, then coaching can be a very powerful way to completely change your experience around food. Check out the waitlist for my Stress Eating SOS program at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS. We'll see you there. Have a fantastic week. Bye-bye.